Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Here they go again, folks. Here we go again. The Democrats, uh, we're, well, we're, we're 49 days, I believe, away from midterm elections. 49 days until midterm elections. And the Democrats are doing, of course, what they accuse Republicans of doing. They are interfering in the midterm elections. They want to make this entire midterm cycle, these midterm elections, every single one of them, about Donald J. Trump. So they're using everything at their disposal once again to interfere in the elections. This is Drew Allen, by the way, the Millennial Minister of Truth. I'm an international host. You may not believe this. People listening all across, not just this country, but the world, Canada, France, Germany, UK. Shout out to my brothers and the United Kingdom. Mark Dolan, by the way, who's one of my favorite hosts uh, in the UK, he is, uh, I I affectionately, along with a buddy of mine, refer to him as the British Tucker Carlson, the British Tucker. Uh, Well, you know, I was in the car uh, for 10 minutes this morning, and uh, Dan Bongino was on the radio, and he played a clip of uh, the great Mark Dolan, our brother in the UK, speaking out against the tyranny there and also here at home. Um... He was just laying it all open, exposing uh, what the left is doing in this country, the government, using these companies to do what they can't do themselves, to censor, to silence our voices, to get rid of the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, all of our amendments. The government can't do it constitutionally, so they're using their plants in these corporations To do the same, to come after you and me, to create, well, a parallel economy is being created, isn't it? Uh, They're trying to disbar those who aren't on the left from from participating in society. And Mark Dolan, uh, well, he just, he had a great opening monologue. But anyway, let's talk about what's going on. You have the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. Now she is, this is the big bombshell today, right? This is the big distraction. Ignore the recession, ignore inflation, ignore gas prices, ignore what the left is up to, sponsoring drag shows for kids, assaulting our liberty. The dollar, by the way, was, is now worth 88 cents. The value is 88 cents compared to what it was when Joe Biden came into office. That's right. One dollar 17 months ago is now worth 88 cents sense. But don't focus on that. Focus on Donald Trump. We've got new accusations, which aren't new accusations at all. So the the AG, Letitia James, she just filed a $250 million civil suit against Donald Trump. Now, this has already been tried before as a criminal suit. And there's nothing to this, by the way, This is just another head fake. This is just another head fake. You know, to understand the context 
of how outrageous and stupid and baseless this latest lawsuit is. And I'll get into the illegality of it and the, frankly, just absolute stupidity of this. I mean, she she is... Letitia James is filing a civil suit against Donald Trump, okay? Who is the plaintiff? On whose behalf is the suit being brought? Because a civil suit alleges that an aggrieved party has been harmed by someone else. So she's suing the Trump organization, Trump himself and his children, on behalf of the people of New York. And the allegation is that Trump, you know, inflated his own net worth and his companies by billions of dollars. Right, said he was worth more than he was in order to get banks to lend the Trump organization money on more favorable terms, to get more favorable loans. So how did this hurt the people of New York? Now, and this is not a crime. There are a thousand ways, even if, even if this was quote-unquote inflated, there are a thousand ways to calculate net worth. You know, you may not like something, but when someone exploits a so-called loophole in the tax code, it's legal. It's not illegal. It's like when he filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy five or six times or however many it was, right? They tried to attack him as some failed business owner. Over 4,000 companies filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2021 alone. That's pretty standard. And we'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, okay. Firstly, Letitia James is a reprobate. This is a woman who should be disqualified from office. Uh, She campaigned for attorney general on suing Trump. She called Trump an illegitimate... You know what? I'm going to play a clip. This is Letitia James when she was running for attorney general. general. This this is what she had to say about why she should be put in office. As the next attorney general, I see the law as a sworn and as a shield to protect those who are vulnerable because no one is above including this illegitimate president. And so, I look forward. I look forward to going into the office of Attorney General every day, suing him, defending your rights, and then going home. Do you think there's a conflict of interest there? Uh, She called Trump an illegitimate president and said she looked forward to suing him and going home. Yes, yes, as Attorney General, I will sue Donald Trump because he is an illegitimate president. Well, I thought you couldn't say that. I thought that calling a president illegitimate made you a domestic terrorist. But there is Letitia James, the Democratic Party domestic terrorist of New York, Attorney General, calling Trump an illegitimate president, vowing that she was going to lock Trump up. Lock her up, Trump. Crowds often shouted about Hillary Clinton. <gasps> These dangerous Republicans, how dare them call for law? They're a, a threat to democracy. Well, she campaigned on locking Trump up. Uh, she also said that this president is an existential threat to all of us in this room. The number one issue in this country is defeating Donald Trump. Nothing else matters. You know, that is huge because that is the Democratic Party mentality. That's right. Nothing else matters. The country can burn to the ground. In fact, they're responsible for it. But, you know, think about how um, just evil these people are. Uh, Millions of Americans, many of you, myself, are struggling in the America 
created by the Democratic Party under Joe Biden. The rampant inflation, the difficulty to to buy just bare necessities these days, food to feed your families, all those prices going up. All of these many problems. But for them, the number one issue in this country is defeating Donald Trump. Are they representing any constituency? No, they're not. They're not. Nobody in America is going to benefit by uh, Donald Trump being thrown in jail, even if he did do something. Now, he did not, but I'm just going to the extreme measure to point out something. They're spending all their time and energy trying to destroy Donald Trump. He is irrelevant right now. He is irrelevant. He's not running in the midterms. 2024 is in the future. Now, of course, they fear that. They don't want him to make a comeback. They fear him. They hate him because he upset the status quo. But nonetheless, they're making midterm elections, which for all of us have to do with our economic situation in America, the assault on our liberties by the Democratic Party, these attacks against political opponents, this fascist behavior from the left. That's what's going on. We want to feed our kids. We want to put gas in our car. We want our liberty. We want crime-ridden streets to be cleaned out, to be fixed. We want policies that make America safe for our children and ourselves. We want prosperity and opportunity. But the Democrats, what are they concerned with? No, no, no. The only issue in, in this country is defeating Donald Trump. Nothing else matters. Now, look, they already tried this. You know, look, I mean, we've had, we had uh, Trump-Russia collusion, which was a fabricated hoax by the left to try and unseat a duly elected president, also to cover up for the embarrassing release of the emails that show that the DNC and the Clinton campaign conspired against Bernie Sanders to give her the nomination. It showed how they thought of other Democrats and Americans in this country, showed their, their disdain for everyone else. The elitism on display in the party, despite them claiming that they represent the, the blue collar, you know, the working man and woman of America. And yet they are destroying jobs, destroying our incomes. The, 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 the Democratic Party are frauds. And I'll get into history because they have never changed, not since they were slave owners. They have successfully in, you know, many circles in America Uh, carried out a a, a PR campaign to rebrand themselves, but they are the same thing they were back then. Totalitarians who have disdain for the American people, who are elitists, who want to control your life because they believe that you're too stupid to run your own affairs. You need Hillary Clinton. You need Joe Biden. You need the Democratic Party to give you welfare, to take care of you, to control you, because you'll never make it on your own. So anyway, all right. So... New York Attorney General Letitia James filing a $250 million lawsuit against Trump. He got loans from the bank and we've got to sue Trump on behalf of the harmed people of New York. Really, were they harmed by all the jobs that were created, by all those many properties? Interesting. Harmed by the taxes he paid? So does the name Cyrus Vance ring a bell? He was the Manhattan district attorney who opened the original inquiry into Trump. This was back, uh, it might have been as early as 2020. It's been going on for three years, I think. I don't know when its origins happened, but I know when it ended and it went down in flames. But anyway, he opened, Cyrus Vance did, the DA of Manhattan, an inquiry, criminal probe into Trump. 
He subpoenaed millions of personal and corporate records uh, over a 10-year span, roughly, you know, dating from 2011 to 2019. And here's the thing, because they just wanted to see if Trump had committed any financial crimes. Now, the IRS has been auditing Trump. They have all of his tax records. And if something was going to happen, the Securities and Exchange Commission, you know, all these different elements of the bureaucracy that are designed to uh, um, terrorize the American citizen, especially uh, business owners. Well, they have those documents. They were auditing Trump's finances. That's what the IRS does. But you had the Manhattan DA accuse Trump of financial crimes because he didn't like Trump. This was not based on evidence. It was based on hatred. I don't like Trump. Therefore, let's get his tax records and look for a... This is not justice in America. Let's say I don't like someone in this country, a neighbor, a boss, whatever. And somehow I just get their financial records and I search for a crime because I want to find something to punish. That's not how this works. You look into someone because there is actually some evidence that you have uncovered. You don't target someone and investigate them because you want them to be a criminal. You investigate them because there is reason to believe they're a criminal. There was no evidence for this. So anyway, Cyrus Vance, he assembled this grand jury. It was earlier this year. It could have been as early as 2021. I don't remember. But anyhow, the two lead prosecutors on the case against Trump, they resigned in February of 2022, the end of February this year. This was a slam dunk, the left said. And look, Cyrus Vance was was opening this criminal probe into the same thing that they're alleging now with this civil lawsuit filed by Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, saying that he, you know, committed some kind of financial crimes. The same thing. And so he put a grand jury together. He had prosecutors all over this. He subpoenaed all these documents, tax documents. And then the two lead prosecutors on the case resigned. But we were told this was definitely going to land Trump in jail. And then the prosecutors quit. They walked away from the inquiry into Trump tax fraud, whatever you want to call it. And Cyrus Vance, by the way, did not run for a fourth term. He was the big guy, right, in New York, the Manhattan DA. He was going to be the one to finally lock Trump up. And he didn't run again. He didn't run again. The case fell apart and he retired. And then, you know, and so his uh, successor, Alvin Bragg, the new district attorney, the DA of Manhattan, well, Alvin Bragg came in and he put an end to the inquiry, said the case against Trump was weak. And that's what, that's basically what the prosecutor said to, this wasn't going to go anywhere. What an embarrassment. All that time and energy, all that money. Look who was abusing the, 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 the people of New York, spending their tax money to go after Trump on this witch hunt and come up with nothing? Carrie Dunn and Mark Pomerantz, those were the names of the two prosecutors who resigned. But then, as soon as that fell apart, Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, she brought her own parallel civil inquiry. Well, that didn't work, so I'm going to take this, pick up where they left off. And so she, she... she tries this civil case. Now, this is important because the attorney general cannot criminally charge Trump. All she can do is sue him in a civil case. And this is what the Democrats are doing. There is something to, to be learned here about what they're doing with Trump, whether it's the raid at Mar-a-Lago, uh, Trump-Russia collusion. Look, they, they are 
creating the perception of a crime. Now, Trump hasn't been tried for anything. He hasn't been found guilty of anything they've accused him of. He hasn't done anything wrong or unlawful or illegal. But they continue to bring cases against Trump in hopes that the perception will be that Trump is a criminal. So they carry out this bombastic display of theater, raiding his Mar-a-Lago estate for all the world to see. They want everyone want it to be as big as possible, like a fireworks show. Ooh, look. Well, they have, I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong yet, but they're out there saying, well, we're, we're looking for a crime. We're looking for a crime. No, the crime is in the Oval Office. The crime is in the Democratic Party. The crime is the violation of our constitutional rights. And, you know, just to explain, there are two uh, types of lawsuits, right? You got civil and criminal. So criminal lawsuits are initiated by the government to punish criminal acts, all right? And then you've got the civil lawsuits, and they're initiated by an individual or private party, by someone who has a grievance, to say you've been harmed by the person you're suing. And so back to my point. Who is the, 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 the harmed party in Letitia James' lawsuit? Who is she suing on behalf of? She's saying that, that Trump's crime is that he misled banks to believe that his net worth was higher than it was to get loans that were more favorable. So she's suing on behalf of the people of the state of New York? Which New Yorkers were harmed by Trump getting a loan from a bank? This is nuts. Completely baseless. And the left out there, if they're listening, they're saying, well, that's not the question, Drew. The question is, did he do something illegal? I don't think so. This is like when they, they tried to get him on Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is a legal means of restructuring your loans. So you don't have to fire all your employees and lose your business. Companies routinely exploit, quote-unquote, loopholes that exist in the law. And I'll never forget, you remember what they did to Trump with a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, right? They tried to say that he was some kind of amoral, stupid business owner, that he was a bad person, that he, he was irresponsible. And you know, Chapter 11 bankruptcy, it, it exists to protect the lender, not just the company. It restructures the debt, right? And it allows the company to remain operating. So instead of going out of business, the business is given time to restructure. You have, I think, four months to come up with a reorganization plan after you file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy to find a mean of paying the debts while you make your company more lean and you set it up for success. It's a win-win for everyone. It's a contract between the bank and the company, which is in debt. But look how, look how they treated Trump with Chapter 11 bankruptcy and look at how they treat these indebted college students who took out you know, federal student loans and couldn't pay them back. They just want to forgive that. Chapter 11 bankruptcy doesn't let the company off the hook. It doesn't ask other taxpayers to bail out the company. So anyway, so, so that's what's going on here with that. Uh, another distraction. I mean, I mean, I just can't say this enough. This is election interference. This is what it looks like. Unprecedented. Truly, truly. 49 days until midterms. And I mean, look, this is the thing. You know, it's this deluge of negative news against Donald Trump. 
And of course, you know, they needed to do this because Mar-a-Lago was dying out. That wasn't in the news anymore. So they needed a new scandal. So they just invent scandals so the news and media doesn't have to cover what the Democratic Party's doing, the damage to the economy. They can hide behind it all. I got, I'm going to tell you what. This nation cannot survive uh, if the Democratic Party has continued to, to be a, a, any kind of political force in America. We just can't. We just can't. They are so consumed with hatred. They have no morality whatsoever. I mean, think about it. They have been trying to destroy Donald Trump since 2016. Every single effort has failed. They, quote unquote, won the presidency in 2020, and that wasn't enough. They're still trying to destroy Donald Trump, and they'll never stop. They'll never stop. And they haven't stopped since they were slave owners. You know, I want to draw a parallel here. Do you know... Well, of course you know. But, you know, World War II, after the Nazis were defeated, the Nazi party was banned, broken up, dismantled in Germany. That's right. The party was not allowed to exist anymore. Six million Jews murdered. I think 45 million uh, people were killed in World War II. I mean, just massive carnage caused by the Nazi party and their ideology. And so after the Nazis lost, not only were they prosecuted for war crimes, soldiers, generals, officers, and so on and so forth, but, you know, uh, the the Allied forces led an initiative in Austria and Germany to rid society, rid culture, rid rid it of the depraved ideology to get rid of anything that was Nazi-related in their culture because it was so evil and responsible for so much damage. Well, think about the Civil War for us. After the Union won the Civil War, no Confederate, not General Lee, not any officer, not any soldier, no Confederate was tried for treason, even though they met the constitutional definition of a traitor. You know, the Republicans wanted to shake hands, end it, enough blood had been shed. You know, they were filled with hope. They hoped the Democratic Party might change. They let their, you know, hearts override their brains. And so, you know, in Germany, the, 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 the Allies understood that defeating the Nazis in the war wasn't enough. They had to dismantle the ideology responsible for that type of violence. But the, the Republicans, after the Civil War, they defeated the Democratic Party and the Confederacy, if you will, on the battlefield, but they did not destroy the ideology. And the Democrats didn't change after the Civil War. Ten years after the Civil War, they were screaming, threatening Tildener War if their Democrat presidential candidate, candidate wasn't elected president. And that was the contested election of 1876, They cheated in that election, and ultimately, the Republican, Rutherford B. Hayes, uh, became president in a backdoor deal they made with with the Democrat, between the Democrats and Republicans. But think about that. They just fought a civil war, and the Democrats are threatening war again if their presidential candidate is not elected president. And they spent the next hundred years, I mean, think about this. After the civil war, a series of of amendments were passed, right? Slavery was ended. 
Blacks were given so-called rights. And the Democrats spent the next hundred years trying to deprive blacks of those rights. They, they came up with a Ku Klux Klan to intimidate blacks. They spent the next hundred years ensuring that blacks were segregated from American society with Jim Crow laws and everything else. Hundred years they did that. And then in 1964, what? Lyndon B. Baines Johnson, the notorious racist connoisseur of the N-word, who only became president because JFK was assassinated, well, he signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 into law. And even while he signed it into law, he's alleged to have said, I'll have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. So he passed welfare, and he put blacks and other Americans back onto the plantation. The Democratic Party ideology has always been totalitarian. It's always been based in arrogance. It's always been condescending. It's always been rooted in communism. You know, slavery itself... Uh, there was there was a guy who was a pro pro slavery advocate in the antebellum era of America named uh, Fitzhugh. That was his last name, Fitzhugh. Now he argued that slavery was akin to communism because you know the communists seek to eliminate competition, right? To eradicate any hardship from the people. They didn't believe that the people could succeed in competition. They believed that they were doing the the slave a a service by clothing them, feeding them. Because they were too stupid, too incapable of surviving on their own. That's what he believed. That's what the Democrats believe. That's what the Democrats believe today. And they use the KKK to intimidate and try and get political power. They use the FBI to do the same thing today. The Democratic Party has not changed one iota. I mean, if you look at what their policies have done to blacks, it's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. You know, America, prior to Johnson's great society and the passage of all his, you know, uh, reform bills with welfare, the education system, I mean, he created the modern welfare state, Social Security. He expanded that. Medicare and Medicaid, he created. Food stamps, all these things, all these programs, these, these freebies claiming to be battling poverty. But the GDP grew consecutively from, I think, 62 to 66, you know, as high, you know, above 5%. And for context, that hasn't happened since. So the GDP, I mean, the the American economy was roaring. The poverty level in America in the 20 years before LBJ had fallen by half. By half. From, you know, roughly 30% to 15%. And that was without welfare. Without welfare. And then he comes in, passes his welfare. And you know what he did to the black community, by the way? He basically made, well, a a, a couple of things here. A couple of things here as a result of that. You know, the, where to start here? Where to start? Okay, well, let's just start here. You know, the, the, the LBJ, the, 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 the blacks basically wed themselves 
to the Democratic Party after 1964. And what happened to the black family as a result? Uh, black births out of wedlock, out of wedlock, skyrocketed, skyrocketed. And by the way, I'm just I'm just looking through my notes here because I'm I'm writing a new book. It's going to be called Why I'm Not a Democrat, and this is one of my chapters because it is called the Big Switch that Never Was, which is the lie, of course, that you know after 1964, the Democratic Party, despite an entire history devoted to racism, slavery, and segregation, suddenly had a big change of heart, and simultaneously, the Republican Party, which was born in Ripon, Wisconsin, for the express purpose of opposing and abolishing slavery, oh, well, all of a sudden, you know, they became the proponents of, of you know, racism in America. So, get, so, you know, think about statistics here. In 1965, 24% of black infants were born to single mothers. By 1990, After 25 years of marriage to the Democratic Party and their welfare, 64% of black infants were born into fatherless homes. Solving fatherless homes would really write a vast majority of the problems in America today. I mean, fatherless homes, you look at at the statistics, uh, they're 25% more likely to raise children in poverty. 10, more, 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances. 71% of children who abuse substances come from fatherless homes. By every metric, whether it's well-being, behavioral health, children from fatherless homes fare the worst. Twice as likely to suffer from mental health problems. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. And welfare disincentivizes marriage. It incentivizes fatherless homes. And what LBJ did was sinister and the Democratic Party continues to do is sinister. Because they have convinced single mothers to marry the welfare state rather than husbands, to depend upon welfare rather than the fathers of their children. It's sick. It's sick. It has destroyed our society. I want to tell you a story, by the way. And we'll end with this. I didn't intend to go this way. I just, I I think it's important. It's been on my mind, all right? So, you know, the Democratic Party claims that, you know, uh, you know, we just cannot escape poverty. You know, we need the government to help us escape poverty, right? The war on poverty. Well, poverty is not a person. It's not the Nazis. It's not some some physical force. It's a personal circumstance that can only be overcome with hard work, perseverance, motivation, and welfare deletes all of that, undermines all of those qualities needed. So even under the racist Jim Crow laws, right, and segregation, blacks somehow managed to find a way to succeed. Now, this is not an argument in favor of segregation. My point is that blacks, before they even were accepted into society, like whites, even before that, under the worst circumstances that any man or woman could face in America, they still fought and succeeded. Do you know who the first female self-made millionaire was in America? A black woman named Madam C.J. Walker. She was born in Louisiana on a cotton plantation in 1867. 
But uh, she went on to become a, a, a millionaire after incorporating her own hair and cosmetic company in 1910. By the time Walker died in 1919, she was considered the wealthiest self-made woman in America. And I want you to hear Walker's own words, how she described her own success. I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South. From there, I was promoted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. I have built my own factory on my own ground. Who did Walker credit with her success? Uncle Sam? No, she promoted herself and built her own factory. Now, how is it possible that a black woman became the first self-made female millionaire in America without welfare, under Jim Crow, under segregation? Now, C.J. Walker, by the way, she became a single mother when her husband Moses, whom she married at the age of 14, suddenly died. She was a newly widowed woman with a young daughter, and she was struggling to send her own daughter, uh, Lelia, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, to school. She was working as a laundress and cook, living on, a hun- uh, on $1.50 a day. But Walker, without welfare, joined a church, networked with others in the city of St. Louis where she was living at the time to ensure her daughter received an education. Walker did not have the Democratic Party welfare uh, to lift her from poverty. Walker then, in 1984, married a second time, but her second husband proved to be unreliable and unfaithful. And so at the age of 35, Walker was again a single mother, and she was also losing her hair. Because Americans at the time, you know, real poverty, Americans didn't have indoor plumbing and electricity. And so they couldn't wash their hair regularly. So consequently, Walker, like other women who washed their hair infrequently, well, you know, bacteria, lice, they caused Walker to begin going bald. Today's poor, by the way, have both electricity and plumbing. But Walker's suffering did not exhibit, inhibit, I should say, her success. It actually paved the way for her success. In 1904, Walker discovered the great, wonderful hair grower of Annie Turnbow. This is a woman who had a product, and Walker started using that product. It restored her hair. So she went from consuming Turnbow's products to selling them. And then in 1905, Walker took a big risk. She married for the third time, developed her own hair product, Madam Walker's wonderful hair grower, and she started her own business. And you know what she said in 1914? She said, I am endeavoring to provide employment for hundreds of women of my race. She didn't demand the government help the poor. She took it upon herself to do so. The Democratic Party, which is still engaged in this war on poverty, it's a war against American independence, optimism. It's against the American spirit itself, which black Americans exhibited most profoundly throughout all of American history, overcoming slavery, overcoming segregation. And then LBJ and the Democrats bamboozled them, sabotaged them. You know, imagine um, if Walker had come of age in the 1970s rather than the 19th century with, with Democratic Party welfare. 
She would have been relying upon welfare rather than, her, than herself and her community. Her ambition would have been smothered. Her drive to succeed would have been erased by the assurance of a life, quote-unquote, free of hardship and want, which is what the plantation owners said of blacks. Yes, we're offering blacks a, a life free of hardship and want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In those fields. Yeah, really good stuff. I resent the Democratic Party and what they've done, not only to blacks, but to Americans in this country. Gaslighting the American people. I mean, who was it that fought to deprive blacks of abundance of opportunity, of sharing in the American dream? The Democrats. Which party fought to keep the gates of opportunity closed to blacks? It was Johnson and the Democratic Party. Have you ever heard a Democrat apologize for what their party did to black Americans? No, they're without remorse. This is the thing about the Democrats. They want to teach that America is a racist place, but it's not. It was the Democratic Party who was racist. 600,000 American men died in the Civil War, 2% of the population at the time. If you adjusted that number to today, 6 million Americans would be dead. So America is not a racist place, but the Democratic Party is. Who is it that nominates people because they're black? Who celebrates that they're electing or nominating a black person every time? Republicans put blacks in the, both the House of Representatives and the Senate in the 19th century. You know, we're not trying to escape a racist past. Only they are. So anyway... I could go on forever about that, but um, I just wanted you to tell you about C.J. Walker. C.J. Walker, eh? the first self-made female millionaire in America, black woman who overcame poverty. But, uh, you know, the, the Democrats right now are manufacturing a situation in which um, we're all faced with poverty. They're destroying our economy. They're destroying the value of the dollar. And... Um, how are we going to get out of it ourselves? They're trying to create a situation by which they flood illegal immigrants in here. They, they overwhelm the system, the welfare state. They're going to cause an economic collapse to create perpetual dependence on government. And they're hoping to lead that charge to eliminate the two-party system, to make us all reliant upon them, right? I mean, this is communism. This is Marxism. That's what they're doing. And meanwhile, you've got the attorney general in New York going after Donald Trump. Going after Donald Trump. Unbelievable. Vote in the midterms like your life depends upon it. Because it does. All right. God bless you all. This is Drew Allen. And until next time.